Well, a couple disclaimers. You know, I'm sitting amongst a group of people who speak every day for a living. I don't speak every day for a living. I'm a commercial real estate layperson. I've been to church at Cedar Valley Church here for 35 years. My wife and I started coming here in November of 87. We got married in September of 87, shopped for churches, found our way here and have been here ever since. It's become a big part of our family. We both come from even more normal, more dysfunctional than normal families. And this has become our family and we're so thankful for it because it has helped great stability in our lives in lives that didn't have stability before. So I was asked by Mark Laram to speak on boards and it was interesting to get a chance to do that. I have been on Cedar Valley's board for five or six times, each time is a three-year term. Now I will tell you, disclaimer, the last two times my name has been up for being one of the board members. They draw this last time four out of six names. I didn't get drawn. Last year my name was up. I didn't get drawn. So I'm saying, God, what are you telling me? What's going on? But I have been on the board at Cedar Valley for a number of times. I've also been on the board of a lot of government agencies. I led the Visitors Bureau for Burnsville. I was on it and then I became president of that board. I'm uh, currently a commissioner for the Economic Development Commission for Burnsville. I've been on a number of uh, professional boards as well. I just resigned, or resigned, my term came up into last year as president of a professional association. Now I'm past chair, so I am uh, continue to be a board member. And over the years, I've been on a number of different boards. I was on the Twin Cities YMCA, now YMCA of the North, which is about 45 facilities all over Minnesota, a little bit of Wisconsin. I was on that board for about 13 years. And so I've been on a lot of different boards. And sometimes people say to me, you know, how come, especially at church, I get this once in a while, like, don't you think, you know, they're kind of saying this nicely as Christians can say, don't you think it's time to let somebody else be on the board other than you? How come your name always comes up? And I'm kind of like, you know, number one, I recognize my gifts are administrative and leadership. And I don't apologize for that. Even at my age, I don't apologize for that because that's the gifts God's given me. And if my church doesn't want my gifts anymore, then maybe it's time to think about other things. But number two, people are saying, you know, don't you think everybody should have, others should have a chance on the board? And I'm in, in the back of my mind, and I'm being as nice as I can be, I say, you know, not everybody should be on the board. Everybody has different gifts. And those that have certain gifts should be on the board, and those that don't have certain gifts should be doing what they're gifted in. And so be thinking about that as we go about today. I do have a few requests for you. This is the first time I've ever given this presentation. I'm going to talk a lot from experience. I'm going to talk about stories because that's the way I typically learn and I've made a lot of mistakes over my career. And if you can learn from my mistakes and not have to make that, we're all better off. I feel like that's why we go through challenges at times so that we can teach others and minister to others and be sensitive to their needs. The other thing I would say is I'd like you to interrupt me. This is a workshop. So let's make it productive. Let's make sure that you walk out of here feeling like you got something and, uh, and you really feel like there's value because this is a critical thing. Originally, I talked, I was thinking about the topic being healthy board equals healthy church. And I thought, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it to cultivating a healthy board. Why? Well, I have found that when people are involved, life becomes more complex. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? <laughs> and when people are involved, it's never easy. It gets a little sticky at times. And the reason why I say that is because you know, with a board, you don't, I don't think you ever walk into a healthy board situation. You might walk into a good board situation, but as leaders, we make it a healthy board situation. And just about the time we make it a healthy board situation, guess what? Their terms are up. We have new people coming in and we have new people with different problems 
and new mindsets. And so it's a journey. I don't think you ever arrive at creating a healthy board. I think it's a constant journey, something you have to work on. But as leaders, you set the tone. You set the tone to making that happen. And the tone, and this is where it'll be interesting to see how it's received today in the church, the tone has nothing to do with Midwest nice. Normally I'd say Minnesota nice, but I think we have some people maybe from out of state, I don't know. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, it has everything to do with being New York direct. I'm a business person. I run a company. And for me, I tell people, here's how I like to do business. I like to do business New York direct. I like you to know exactly what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking the way I am. But in turn, I want you to tell me exactly what you're thinking and why you're thinking because it makes it so much easier for us to manage. But most people don't operate that way. And not to pick on the church, but a little bit maybe, as church, it's like, oh, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to offend you at all. So I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking, but the minute we leave here, I'm going to go call my buddy and I'm going to tell him what I'm thinking. Yeah. And you know what? That's not good. And, uh, and we have a culture that, that accelerates that, that uh, emphasizes that, and it's not good for board. And so we're going to talk a lot about a healthy board and being brutally honest in a way that's respectful. Childhood story, king and his court. Well, now we're all, you know, it's been a long time since we visited this story. And you go, what the heck is he doing bringing this story up? There's a lot about leadership in this story. Do you remember how this story goes? This, okay, the king hires some supposedly amazing weavers to come in and make this amazing garment for them, for him. And the, and the, and the people that came in, the weavers, were deceptive. Do you ever deal with people deceptive in the church? They have different alternatives than maybe the church itself. And, and they said, the only people who can see this garment are people who are wise. So where do kings get their direction when they need to bounce ideas off? Who do they, who do they go to in biblical times? They're wise, wise men, right? So if you're a wise man and you're being told, and the king believes that the only people that can see this are people that are unwise, what kind of culture does that breed right away? that were wise, right? right? And so the people that, they, the wise men are the people that are advising the king, right? Mm -hmm. So when they can't see the garment, because there is no garment, do you think they're going to speak up? In an autocratic leadership style, are they going to speak up? Probably not going to speak up, because nobody wants to admit they don't know, right? The reality is that we all know certain things really well, but we also have a lot of things in our lives we don't know anything about, okay? IT, I, I'm not the guy. I know a lot about, a, I know a little or medium about a lot of things, but there's a lot of things I simply don't know about. And there are times I just need to admit, hey, I don't know, I don't get it. And that's the beauty of having a diverse board. So a few stories from this lesson that I think are relevant for today. Yes, people can be deceptive. People have ulterior motives. And as a leader, when people present to you their ideas, do they always present it in a format that makes it look like their agenda is the right way to do it? Always, right? So what's the skill of a leader? A skill of a leader is to ask the question that doesn't get addressed in the presentation because everybody comes with a bias. That's an awesome presentation. Everybody, anybody remember, some of you are not this old as I am, but there was a uh, famous uh, show on TV that was Columbo. Anybody remember Columbo? He was a detective. 
and he was fabulous at asking questions. And then he'd get his questions done and he'd start to walk towards the door. And just when he puts his hand on the doorknob, he turns around just to say, just one more question. And it was the nailer question. And as a leader, I think that's what you have to do. You have to make sure that you're not afraid to ask the killer question in a respectful way to make sure that you're not missing things. Because you're being asked as a leader to make a decision on 10% of the information, but they're making the presentation on 90% of the information, right? And they're only giving you what they want to hear necessarily. Not that they have bad intentions, it's just they have a bias. Childhood boldness. So it was the child in the crowd that spoke up and said, I don't see anything. And everybody was aghast. But it's that childhood boldness that we need amongst the board and board members. We need to have a freedom in the board meeting so that people can be childlike and speak the truth. Do we all need accountability? Do we like accountability? I don't think there's anybody in here that likes accountability. The reality is we all need accountability. And that's extremely important for the board. And the weak board is when you create an environment that you have people that are like you, that you know are going to agree to everything you say, and as a result, the accountability becomes very questionable. And that's a dangerous thing, because we can all get off track if not held accountable. This one I just threw in for fun. If you're cold, you may need to put more clothes on. So why does a board exist? So Acts 6, 1 through 6, I'm going to start with verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. So God's message continued to spread. So I skipped some of that, but the point being is that ultimately the board came about because they wanted to free up the leaders to be able to do what they are gifted in, which is to minister to the people. And when there is administrative things around, they need to be addressed. And governance items need to be addressed. We see that in the Old Testament too, with Moses and the appointing of the judges and his father-in-law Jethro saying, what are you doing Moses? You're spending all the time listening to people's problems. That's not what God's called you to. And so really it's providing governance overall to the organization, strategic planning, what's going on, Communication, are we communicating to the congregation what needs to be done? Do we understand where we're going and what needs to be done? Policy and certainly financial responsibility. I'm gonna pause there. Questions, thoughts? There's a workshop, feel free to speak up. New York Direct. Remember this movie? Let's see if I can get it to play now. Hold on. I thought I could just click on it, but... It's good that you said you're not good with IT. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> ah! We went through it and through it to make sure it worked in here. Well, everybody familiar with this movie? Yeah. This scene is a great scene. So this is where Sandra Bullock comes to the person 
who's uh, acting to be Michael Orr. Don't ask me his name. I'm terrible at that. And, he, and, he, and he's not blocking. He's this massive individual, and he's not doing anything. And she looks at him, and she says, See that team? That's your family. See that quarterback? It's your job to protect him. Who's your family in the church environment? Who's the family? Church. Church. Okay. Who's the quarterback? Pastor. Senior pastor. Who's the lineman? The board. The board's job is to protect the family, the church, but it's equally responsible to protect the senior pastor. Very, very important distinction. Some board members operate as if it's their job to protect the church from the pastor. And some operate as if it's their job to protect the pastor from the church. This is a partnership. In the NFL, we've got the draft going on right now. Big deal. Top four positions typically for pay. What's number one typically? Quarterback. Quarterback. Number two, three, and four get a little cloudy, but they're generally, maybe not in the exact order, but generally the wide receiver. And then we have the defensive end. The defensive end, who's the guy that's out to do what? What's their job? Kill the quarterback. And then the, and then the fourth is this guy, the left tackle on the offensive line. That's the blind side. Why is it a blind side? Well, for those of you who aren't football people, most quarterbacks are right-handed. When they go to throw, they are blind to what's going on in them. And this guy that's trying to kill them, they cannot see it. So the fourth in the top four pays usually that offensive left tackle whose job is to protect the quarterback. Okay, That's your job as a board. You've got to protect that quarterback. But guess what? You're up against one of the meanest people, one of the highest paid on the team, the defensive lineman. And that's, the, and that's the world. And so it's our job as a board member to really protect both of those environments. I'm kind of bummed my uh, slides aren't going to work now. I don't have slides to mine. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Hold on a second. Oh, click play right there. What's that? Just hit the arrow on the bottom with the little finger. Yeah, when you're on the Well, see, I did, yeah, the, I can get the video to work, but I can't get. The mouse, the mouse tab. Yeah. yeah and then the look at the, if you look at the screen, you'll see an arrow up here on the screen. Look at our screen. There you go. How come I have no volume, though? We'll just keep it rolling. I don't know. Support your family. What's that? We'll just, we'll just, we'll just subtitle it for you. Yeah, thank you. Audible subtitles. The quarterback and senior pastor. Now I've lost my presentation, it seems. Yeah. There. There we go. Let's talk about healthy versus unhealthy boards. Do you remember 2015, all over the papers, was a story on Volkswagen? Anybody remember that? And that story was that Volkswagen, their diesel cars were not passing North American emission standards. So rather than go back and produce them the right way and make the adjustment, they created a device that was made to override the system and fool the inspectors. The problem is they got caught. What happened there? Well, it was pretty significant. They got caught with an $18 billion fine. And if that wasn't bad enough, their stock dropped 30%, which is $26 billion in stockholder value. How does that happen, a company like Volkswagen? Well, it turns out the board was multi-generational. And over 50% of the board were family members. Many of them were not really engaged in the board that much. And so you had a leader that became autocratic in style. 
and they really made the decisions. And the rest of the stockholders really didn't have any voice. And so even though they knew it wasn't right, because of the autocratic style that was created, there was not a lot that could be done. At the end of the day, it was good for Volkswagen because they fired the board, they put the proper governance board in, and changed the company. But Volkswagen paid a price, and it's taken them years to come back from that mistake. That's the danger. What's going on here? I'm assuming, I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming these are his advisors. You know, we don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing those are his advisors. What's wrong with that picture? Is he in touch, do you think, with his board? Yeah. Do you think his board's bold enough, strong enough to speak up when they disagree? Do you think it's a free conversation? Do you think they're protecting him because they can hear things out in the community that he necessarily can't, and so they're kind of a tentacle to him and protecting him and bringing that information back and saying, Vladimir, we've got an issue here. We need to deal with it. You think that's going on? But you know what? That can happen in the church as well, and we have to be careful of it. I've certainly seen some church environments where there's very little governance, where there's either no board or the board has been put in place by the senior pastor, and it's a very soft board. And as a result, there's not a lot of accountability. And so guess what? When you have that environment, who do you think thinks they're the smartest person in the room? Okay, right? So you don't want that. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room on everything. Senior pastors generally are pretty smart people, educated people. But you know what? They're not the smartest in the room on every topic. So what are weak board traits? How about number two, defensive? How do we do about being defensive? When we get corrected, is it easy to be defensive? It is, for all of us. It is absolutely easy to be defensive. I think being defensive is a little bit like being a leader and that being a leader, to be an effective leader, you need to have thick skin. And having thick skin is not a natural human trait. Certainly in the church it isn't because Christ came and softened our thick skin, right? But as a leader, you have to have thick skin. Why do I say that? because people are going to speak things behind your back. Welcome to leadership. They are gonna say things that, they don't, that you don't like and don't appreciate and that you thought they were their friend, your friend. You know what, they probably still are your friend, but they, people can be ruthless at times. But sometimes you need to hear the truth and those are people that are really dear friends, but that's hard to take. It's a strong leader who has, enough thick, or has thick enough skin to be able to take constructive feedback provided it's provided constructively, we're gonna talk about that, and not be defensive. You have to really guard yourself, and that's a growth thing. It is not natural for any of us. Anything else there that stands out to you? How about those last two? Do you think people on the board wanna be liked by the others? Yeah. Do you think people on the board or often your boards or the groups that you associate with oftentimes are afraid to speak up because they might offend one of their friends? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. The reality is, where's our heart at? And we have to recognize that we are friends. And when we leave the boardroom, we are friends. But in the boardroom, we must speak the truth because that is what we all desire, is we desire world-class organizations. 
And without the truth, and it's the brutal truth, we will never achieve world-class organizations. So strong board traits. I think it's important as a board leader to always encourage people, maybe every meeting, say a couple things. It's okay to disagree today. Number two, every thought that you express, it has to be respectful. It must be respectful because we're going to go sideways when it becomes disrespectful. I don't care if you don't agree with me, that's fine, but it must be respectful. I want to have an environment where people feel comfortable with that. The last one, confidentiality. Let's talk about confidentiality because the church is a big violator of this. Many, many people on a board in a church say, you know what? I'll keep everything confidential except I have to tell my spouse. I tell them everything. How do you feel about that? I want to hear some feedback on that because that's a good one. Well, that spouse has got a group of people that they tell everything to as well. Man, that just creates that ripple. It does. It totally does. And, oh, my goodness, I'm not a Christian if I don't tell my spouse. I'm keeping things from them. Well, my wife makes a point, too, if it's a friend of hers who there's confidential um, experiences. That, like, we work with a, a foster a woman who was a foster child. I know from the conversation she was awfully abused, but I've not been told, you know, from conversations with me, but I can put together. I've never been told some of the things that she shared with my wife. Because for one thing, I might look at her differently, but also I might slip it out. And I don't need to know that. It's not going to affect my relationship with my wife because of that. Now, if it was a man and he talked to my wife about, you know, abuses in his past, she would share that with me. But if it's a woman, she's not going to share that with you. Mm -hmm. And we came to that understanding there are things you need to discern that you don't confide with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that we think the board the same way. You don't go outside of that board on many issues, even a spouse. Mm -hmm. But you got to let your spouse know that so that she can have accountability because sometimes there's abuse to that. I think it's very appropriate when somebody is elected as a board member, male or female, to say to your spouse, you need to understand that this means that some of the confidential information that's going to be discussed, I will not be able to share with you. And when you come home and you say, what the board meeting tonight? I'm going to tell you some things, but there's some things I simply cannot. So don't press me. Don't try to you know, get mad at me because I'm keeping things from you. There's some things I simply cannot share because it is too sensitive of information. It could impact the church. It could impact people's lives. It's that important. I think in church, as a church leader, you need to emphasize that almost every meeting because that's not the way most people in the church operate. But it's extremely important. Anybody else have any comments on that? Derek? Question, would you, uh, not to totally put you on the spot, but it's your session, so um, could you give maybe a couple of, in your opinion, things that would need to be kept confidential from a, a spouse that would come up in a regular meeting, some things that maybe would be appropriate to share that would not need to be held in strict confidence of the boardroom only? <coughs> yeah, well, I think personnel is probably one of the key ones. You know, for instance, let's say that there's a, part of the, the meeting uh, from the senior pastor. And the, senior pa the board meeting, in my opinion, is really the senior pastor's meeting in the sense that the board's there to support the senior pastor. It's not the evening for the senior pastor to minister to the board. It's the evening for the board to minister to the senior pastor. So it needs to be safe. We're going to talk more about that. But personnel decisions, you know what? I have an associate pastor on my staff that's just not cutting it. 
and I don't know what to do, and I'm frustrated. I think they can make it, but we're dealing with them. What do we do? How do we address these issues with them? Because I like them. They have a lot of skills. How do we sit down and address them? That kind of conversation needs to stay in the boardroom. Should not go any further than that. Because if it does, you've tainted that person. And now people are whispering, right? The church is terrible on gossip. And so um, that's, a, that's a classic example. As far as what could be shared, let's say that you uh, have financials, okay? Ultimately, the, the financials are going to be reported to the board. And financials are trending up. And you could say, you know what? We had, a, man, the church is doing awesome on the financial side. Our finances were up 10%. Um, we're doing really well. We're profitable. Yes, profits in the church are important. Without profitability in a church, a nonprofit, or an ent corporate entity, it is not sustainable. So profits are not a bad word. Things need to be profitable. You need money to reinvest in capital items that are on the balance sheet, fixing the building, all these things. So without profits, you can't do that stuff. So, but I could say at a high level, yeah, we're up 10%. Church is doing really well. Things are really stable. Pastor Derek feels really good about things we're doing. Easter was a huge success. We had 1,500 people there. You know, those things are, I think, they're public knowledge, right? So they're perfectly fine, perfectly fine. And you're sharing uh, with what you're doing, kind of like the notes would share, similar to what the notes of the board meeting should be. The board meeting notes should not be great detail, even though it makes it easier on our memory to have great meeting detail. It should be kind of high level because ultimately they're going to be published and you want them to be published and presented in the annual meeting. So I would say at that level, that's totally acceptable. Anybody disagree or have other questions or comments on that? I've got another question. So would you expect the pastor, though, not to share with anybody? Um, I think that whether it's the pastor and her husband or the pastor and his wife, I think they're kind of in it together. And I think that probably, um, it depends. If you have a spouse that cannot keep a secret for their, to save their life, and there are such a thing, I'd probably hesitate, but if they're really in this with you and they are your main advisor and you're going to, I think it's a safe environment. Yeah. But, you know, there's things, my mom, she's terrible at keeping a secret. I mean, if I want to blow up the family, I just tell her something in privacy because it's going to get out. And so I don't even tell her stuff. Well, okay, I've learned that, but what does that do? Kind of breeds dysfunction a little bit, right? I can't, there's times I want to talk to her, I just can't because I know it's, It'll, it'll just get out. I mean, it's, it's telephone, telegram, tell a mom. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So you just got to. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't think they should. I don't, I don't think it's uh, wise. I think that you need to guard that information. I know most people violate that. I, I don't agree with it. I think it's on confidential information. It needs to stay confidential for the health of the family, which is the church, and the health of the senior pastor. So it seems like the biggest things that are the issue here are discipline issues and that would probably be rising to the level of uh, needing to breeding confidentiality. Wouldn't it be better to create just a subcommittee to address those specific issues? I think the board needs to know at a high level. I mean, the board is there to be an advisor to the senior pastor. And the board is there to protect the senior pastor and to protect the church both. Now, if there's issues that need really close work on and need help, governance-related issues. Like, you know what? I am just not happy right now with our compensation model. We're losing our staff, and we need to figure something else. I need some help with that. Then I think it's a great opportunity to create a subcommittee that really takes and boils it down and gets into the detail outside of the board meeting and brings it back up to the board. 
issues like that, I think would be appropriate. Or, you know, we've got somebody that's really struggling, we don't know what to do. Would a couple of you go meet with them and help me with that and kind of work on that and then bring it back to the board? I think that's totally appropriate. But as a whole, I think everybody needs to be in agreement on what's going on and uh, what's being worked on as a board and the direction that you're trying to go as an organization. Okay? Uh, the only thing I was going to say is just by siloing things, I think you can maybe potentially control things a little bit easier. Um, and especially if it comes down to, you know, one or two people, you know, that are bringing up this issue um, comparatively to a lot of the more corporate actions, which would be the responsibility of the general board. So that's, that's just my thought about how, um, again, I'm not in pastoral leadership right now, but, but I we, completely understand. But we may not be in disagreement. And, and what I'm saying is that on issues that are complex, usually involving people, um, and need to be drilled down deeper on, I think a subcommittee is a great way to address those issues to make sure they get the proper attention outside of the board meeting because there's simply not enough time in the board meeting to deal with that. And then have that subcommittee come and report back. Sure. Any? So if you have a confidentiality issue and you find out this person was not being confidential, how do you address that? Would you address it in a board meeting? Would you address it outside of a board meeting? So I was asked by our church to head up the uh, Senior Pastor Selection Committee. And the board uh, provided eight other names to uh, be on that committee. Now, <laughs> I would never recommend a committee of nine on a pastoral selection committee. And they asked me if I would head that up. And so I had that I had it up. And uh, there were some people on there that had multi-generational contacts to the church and so forth in, you know, in the church. And I had a tough time keeping things confidential. And I, I had to approach some people two or three times. I don't know that I ever fully achieved what I wanted to, but I think it's your job as a leader when that's going on and things are being leaked to approach that person and talk directly about them. And because it's a serious issue, it's a serious issue. And if they have not proven that they can keep things confidential, then you've got to, then you've got to think about more governance items and what you need to do. So, so one other thought, I have not witnessed this in a board, but isn't the board there to help the pastor Say the pastor is struggling with his call or with deep things inside himself. Isn't that a place where the pastor should be able to say, "Hey guys, I need you to pray for me right now." And totally, and it's not that way usually. Talk about business all the time. Or yeah, so the pastor talking about yep. the random junk that the people in the church are doing. But like, isn't that also like, okay, I feel like I need to move on. Who do you, who do you talk to? Right. Uh, so that, to me, is uh, very much a part of the board, board responsibilities. Let's get more into this. What should be discussed in a meeting? Strategy engagement certainly should be talked about. Finances, ministry, staffing, congregational challenges, best practices. You know what? I am frustrated. Our youth group is not growing. It is stagnant. What is going on? Okay, so let's go to the board. Let's say, okay, what does a world-class youth group look like? What does that look like? Boom, 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 boom. It looks like this. What does ours look like? Boom, boom, boom. Okay, we're here. We need to be here. What are the steps to get us from here to here? And it's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. That should be talked about in a board room. Struggling ministries. Performance measures and a review. So let's go to your question now. 
the senior pastor, it should be appropriate for the senior pastor to feel safe to say, you know what, it's been a tough week for me. I had several funerals. I've had people in my office complaining. I am burnt out. That is the safe environment for that senior pastor to be able to have that conversation. That's why that exists. Like I said, I've been in board meetings where a senior pastor comes in thinking it's their job to minister to the board, to go around the room and pray for them and everything else. I'm like, that's fine, but that's not why we're here. We're here to minister to you tonight. Our job to pray over you, our job to carry your burden, our job to help you lift the load, load that you're carrying and deal with these governance issues. That's our job. Our job is to make sure that you're lifted up when you leave here. And likewise, it's appropriate. Just say, you know what? It's, it's, it's our annual review. How are you doing? Are, are you feeling like you've got another year in you? Why not ask that question every year? You got another year in you. You know, we all get burnt out. We all need breaks and nothing's forever. And so, you know what? I am, I, I got another year, I'm motivated. I don't need to give you a commitment three to five years because I don't know three to five, but I can give you probably a one year commitment at a time. Yeah, I've got it. Or you know what, I'm struggling. Right now I'm struggling, I need some time off. That, those are board conversations. Those are exactly where that should happen. Ask him about uh, specific prayer requests for his life. I have a life outside the board. He has a life outside the church on the board. Um, and gets very involved between being a pastor and being a father, being a citizen of the community. And everybody's going to have specific prayer requests that they need to talk about and they need prayed about and support for. Totally. What's the mindset of a pastor? A shepherd, right? What's the mindset of a shepherd? Always caring for the flock. So how do you expect a senior pastor to walk into a board meeting and shut that off? But you need to teach them to shut that off. Say, tonight, you're not here to be the shepherd. We're here to be a shepherd to you. We're here to lift you up and to deal with issues. That's what the board meeting's about. This burden tonight is not yours. So does that mean the senior pastor shouldn't always be the chair? It might. I think it's fine if the senior pastor is a chair and that's the way it normally works, but maybe it would be lift the burden even more for the senior pastor if he had somebody else as a chair. Somebody else is responsible for putting the agenda together and reviewing the agenda with the senior pastor prior to the meeting. So lift that burden a little bit too. I think that's just fine. What should not be discussed? We talked on some of this. I have been in board meetings where people have left and I've heard this said, you know what, they left, but uh, of the five families left last year, they gave a total of $13,000. It's not that big of a deal. You know what? That conversation should never happen. It should never happen as to what anybody gives, individuals give. I know some senior, senior pastors don't even want to be a part of that, just to keep that off their brain when they're ministering to people. But that's a dangerous thing. Don't ever put a value on the people in your church based upon how much they give. But I've seen it, and it happens. Key strategic decisions. I've been in board meetings. This is, not, this is outside the church too. Where I'm going, why am I here? I give my time to be a part of this organization and I'm getting a report of what's been done and all the decisions that have been made. Senior staff has already made all the decisions. Why am I here? I have certain skill sets. My skill sets are strategic in nature. If, if you're asking me to be on the board to con contribute, then let me contribute. Let me walk away energized. Otherwise, I'm going, this is a burden. I'm driving there, and I'm going, oh, I got so many other things I need to do. I don't want to be here. And I've been in that situation, just waiting for my term to expire. Can't wait to get out of there. Because I, there's nothing going on. I mean, all the decisions have been made, all the strategic decisions. And sometimes senior pastors make those decisions because they're afraid to, 
They want the, the autocratic style to be able to make those decisions without the board. Now, there's a lots of decisions that are not necessarily strategic, that are governance-related day-to-day that need to be made amongst staff. But on strategic decisions, it needs to be reviewed with the board. That's why they're there. That's what their talents and abilities are. And if you don't believe that's what their talents and abilities are, then you got the wrong people on the board. Safe environment. I think the board should certainly be involved when you get to the finalists. Now, I'm not talking about senior pastor hire. I'm talking about staff hire. And at some point, you're right, the the board needs to know for key positions, not every position, but key positions, executive pastor, probably needs to know that you're down to two candidates and who those two candidates are and what's going on. Don't necessarily need to be involved in all of the people that you've interviewed and so forth and don't need to be involved unless the senior pastor needs help with that because they, they don't have the time for that governance and they don't have the staff to help them in that. But there's, you know, again, you're dealing with the senior pastor and that role, you're there to support them, but I don't think you need to know all the day-to-day management decisions or all the hires and going on and who the candidates are. Okay, we're volunteers, right? We don't have time for all that and we trust you. We put the staff in place because we trust you to run your organization. A safe environment, this is a big one. You need to insist on candor. And uh, we talked about defensiveness before. Recognize the stewardness of the church and whose responsibility that is. It is a mutual responsibility. The senior pastor has stewardship responsibility for the church. The board has stewardship responsibility for the pastor and the church. Does the pastor work for the board in a healthy environment? Yes. Okay. I know I know it shouldn't feel that way, but the reality is, yes. But that's not for a board to hold it over the head of the pastor. That's for the board to recognize their job is to make the pastor successful. Okay, Their job is to make this pastor successful because if they make them successful, then the church is going to be successful. And that kind of stewardship relationship needs to happen. But ultimately, the senior pastor needs to be accountable to the board. And if the senior pastor is not adapting to the things that need to be done, well, who's going to make that change to protect the church? So it, it, so it is a relationship that requires stewardship and mutual responsibility. Stop there. Questions? The bottom one, identify conflicts and abstain on votes when necessary. What do you mean by that? Let's say that you're uh, going to hire an executive pastor. The two candidates that you bring into the board are two executive pastors. One of them happens to be my cousin. I probably shouldn't vote. I probably should abstain from that vote. I got a little conflict there. So just making sure that we are very clear about that and we feel free to speak up about those items. Um, We're going to go with a new 401k plan. We're recommending this company. I work for that company. Uh, Probably shouldn't vote. Probably not a vote for me to be a part of. Okay, those kinds of things. I worked so hard to get these video clips. I thought they were so perfect to drive my point. Remember the movie, A Few Good Men? Tom Cruise says to Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson says to Tom Cruise, you are, are, are um, what do you, you want the truth, he says. Thank you. And, and Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. 
And Jack, I deserve the truth. And Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay? So it's a very intense moment. Very tense. Now, you think, why in the world are you making such a point in a church? Because I think we have to demand the truth. We have to absolutely demand the truth. And we need an environment where people feel that they can give us the truth. Because if we have the truth together, we're going to grow together. How many meetings have you been in that somebody walks in and says, you know what? And you know, you know that the youth ministry is struggling. You know that the young adults ministry is struggling. And they walk and go, we have the best staff. Things are going so awesome. I've just never seen a staff like this. Things are going so well. And you're sitting in there as a board meeting going, what is going on right now? This is so different than what I'm experiencing and the feedback I'm getting. A board member does have responsibility to be a tentacle again in the congregation. You need to bring that information back. So are you going to be bold enough to say, <clears throat> excuse me, with all due respect, I don't think our youth ministry is going well. And this is the fact. Oh, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You know what? I, I, I don't appreciate that comment. Well, with all due respect, I'm here because it's my job to make you successful and it's my job to make this church successful. And based upon the feedback I'm hearing and seeing myself, it is not going well. And I think we as a board need to talk about it. Okay? Those are tough, tough conversations. Brutal truth. But we need the brutal truth. We need the brutal truth in the church even more than we need it in the real world. And we need it in the real world. We must be strong enough, bold enough to have that childhood boldness to speak the truth and not be scared to do it. And as leaders, we must cultivate an environment that allows us to do that. Tension is good. The best boards I've ever been on, there is tension at times. Absolute tension. But our hearts were all in the same place. Our desire was to make it better. But you know what? There's a disagreement on what is going to make it better or the state of things. And that tension ultimately made us all better. So the tension is healthy. It's good. It's positive. But when you walk out of the meeting, you're still friends. And when it comes to family, when it comes to friends, there is no better memory than a short memory. Because if you don't have a short memory, if you don't forgive as Christ has forgiven us, by the time you get to the end of the life, your life, you're not going to like your family, you're not going to like your friends, you're not going to like your community, and you're sure not going to like Minnesota sports teams. <laughs> so a short memory is a good memory when it comes to dealing with people. And you need to be strong about that, and that's where the thickness of skin comes in. Don't be an elephant. Don't harbor that. You know, 15 years ago, they did this to me, and I've never forgiven them. I'll never ask them to be on the board again. Why? Because they spoke the truth? And because their heart was in the right place, because they loved the church, and they love you, and they wanted you to be successful, but you didn't like what they had to say? Is that why you don't want them on the board anymore? You know what? Better examine your motives. They're wrong. We need the truth, and they spoke the truth, and we need people around us that are not afraid to speak the truth. Those are the people that need to be on a board, but they need to do it respectfully. And if they get out of line because they're no longer respectful, and their motives are not pure, and they're deceptive, that needs to be dealt with too because those are real issues. Okay, I've said a lot. My clips, it just breaks my heart. The truth, it requires a passion for the truth for all the reasons we've talked about. 
The truth supersedes friendship in the boardroom. And in the boardroom, most of the time, there's people that are friends and they want to stay friends and they feel like if they speak up, they're not going to be friends anymore. Nope, that's not true. Can't be that way. We'll be friends. But you know what? You're here right now on behalf of the church and on behalf of the success of the senior pastor. It's nothing about friendship. Healthy governance. Respect, trust, and always humility. If you don't have humility, take up golf. It'll give it to you. That's the only reason I golf. I'm a terrible golfer. I love golf, but I can't seem to ever be a good golfer. But it keeps me humble, man. And I'm so glad I got golf in my life. It requires vulnerability, openness, and transparency. You need an environment the senior pastor go, you know what? Ah, my heart's breaking. We had somebody commit suicide this week, and it's just tearing me apart. And I just don't feel like I, I, I got no gas in the tank right now. I need some help. You know what? Stop. We're praying. Let's spend time in prayer right now. Forget about the agenda. It's time to pray. It's time to lift you up. Can we put hands on you and pray over you? These are real things. These are real things. And this is what needs to happen in a board meeting. I got extra time. I, I think I could probably speak into a lot of that. I have a brief First off, I want to thank you about the boldness and the, the things you had said about, you know, really being truthful and being true that. So I'll, I'll kind of make it short, but I mean, I could, could talk for quite a long time. We got a few I, minutes. I, I've been on a board for over 14 years. On and off. Yeah. But uh, on that time that I was on a board, we had a moral failing of a pastor that just totally, you know, brought everything down. Um, and a lot of this stuff that you talked about was something that wasn't being done. And accountability was one. And you know, being on the board now, looking back, it's one of those things. If you have something in your spirit that's saying something isn't right here, just don't ignore that. You, you, you've got you've to investigate that, and you've got to try to figure out, okay, why, why is things not right? And in my case, it was, I was sensing there was something that was not quite right, and it was strictly on the finances. And when that all came to a head, it was enough of a head that, you know, that pastor was removed. And it's a very, very difficult season to go through. You know, I'm on the board now. I'm on the reverse side of everything you talked now because actually my wife is the senior pastor yeah. mm -hmm. and you know it was just one of those things we walked through that was very difficult and we have a totally different board now but it was only because we completely did we did our bylaws and everything because we're from a small church and there is very little uh, very little people to go back through to be eligible to be on board and that's very tough to find people to come onto a board that fit all the criteria that you need to be on a board, you know, with some of the older bylaws that have been set into place. Yeah. So, I mean, don't handcuff yourself. I mean, if, if it means that you're going to have to take some time to redo bylaws so that you have more people in your congregation, if you especially have a small congregation like we do to even choose from to be on a board so that you don't have that constant three or four or five people that are always going to be on the board because there's nobody else, you know, to fill those spots. Yeah. And it's very important to, to take time off of an on board. Like I said, I was on the, I've been on the board for 14 years, but I've had like about a three-year break 
we hit a boat in the middle of that, which helped. Well, and I find that with myself is that uh, I've been in board meetings where they say, you know, we have a three-year term. Man, you know, just about three years, you're getting going. Let's extend it. And I'm like, no, please don't extend it. I'm burnt out. Right. I, I need a break. I, give me a break. And I like that. I think it's a healthy thing. Yeah, so and I, I think just, it's good to have new ideas. Yeah, I just, you know, like I said, I, I really appreciate all the stuff you brought through. But I guess one thing I can say is, really, if, you, if you're sitting on a board, no matter what the situation is, now, you know, that I'm on a board, now, actually, and my wife being a senior pastor, there, you know, we had talked about that. There's some things I just abstained from even commenting on because it's it's too it's too involving with you know the senior pastor and Ed being family and all that. So you know when you when you've got such a small board to pick from and the things you discuss, you know that's that's very tough to do. Yeah. Um, so you do have to abstain from it. Um, one thing we found out with our board and we started doing it pretty regularly the last few years is our board meetings are long, but it's because we start out first, we have a meal together. Then we start, next we'll go in and we'll pray for anybody around the board that's having, you know, things going on in their life, including the pastor. I mean, it's all about that communication, it's all about that relationship, and then we'll go into the church business. And it, it has helped tremendously. I think that's important. <laughs> I also think, though, that not letting board meetings go too long, yep. unless there's just a really critical issue, because these people do have lives and they've got to get up the next morning and they've got to start performing at eight o'clock and that's, you know, people start checking out after a while. It's, yeah. a, it's a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, point of clarification, um, you talked about some weak board traits before the two videos didn't work. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> you did a dichotomy of, of true versus trusted and, and it was a weak trait. Um, true versus trusted. Yeah, is there any weak board traits after the Putin picture, I think? Right there, a common belief in the group's ability. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a common belief that, you know what, if, if there's nine people on the board and eight of them are saying this is the way we should do it, and uh, it's easy to fall into the trap going, okay, if eight of them believe that way, then that must be the truth. And, and you know what? I trust that must be right. But my spirit is telling me really different right now. And what I'm saying as a board member, you need to take your trusted and your friendships to the side and say, right now, I stand alone because it's my job to protect and represent the church and the senior pastor. My spirit's not clicking right now. I need to be bold enough to speak up and say something and not fall into the trap to say, just because the majority is voting for it, it must be right. Even though, you know, I don't understand it, or man, my spirit doesn't agree with that at all. You've got to be strong enough to speak up. And it's not always going to make you popular. Believe me, I've been there. <laughs> and, and it is possible, too, that everything you have sitting in front of you makes it look like, hey, this is spot on. But there's times, and I, and, and I, I believe this truly because I walked through it, it wasn't. I mean, there was so much manipulating done. What we were seeing is not exactly what was going on. And that wasn't just me individually. That was the whole board. I mean... You know, in this case, the whole board was completely deceived. I mean, it, there was no doubt about it. Well, so so that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. It, it kind of goes back to that Columbo yeah. analogy where just, you know, it's not quite lining up. Just one more question. You know, so don't be scared to ask that one more question. But I would say this too. Your job is equally to defend the senior pastor as it is to defend the church. 
Senior pastors are human. Senior pastors actually deal with more temptation than we, as we do because Satan loves to get his hands on senior pastors. Okay? Well, the one part you brought up about, you know, uh, that you know, a senior pastor needs, and I think somebody in here said, well, just, you know, if they need some prayer for something, do that. I mean, in this case, hands down, if the, the pastor would have been open and, and vulnerable to his board and said, hey, I'm really struggling in this point, it wouldn't have mushroomed and got into a position. Yeah, but that's where I go. You have to cultivate a healthy environment exactly. so that the pastor feels like it's a safe environment to be able to share and it's going to be completely confident, and that takes time. But you know what? Pastors, they sin just like the rest of us, and they need to be comfortable sharing that. We need to pray with them and not condemn them, but lift them up and encourage them. I think the main thread is accountability. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's totally right. I think we're all better because of it, whether we like it or not. It's kind of like discipline. We're all better because of it, whether we like it or not. Any other questions? When do you, uh, as a board, when, when you vote, you know, sometimes it could be something really simple and everybody just raise their hand or make it more anonymous. Um, or do you always just make it anonymous or do you always just Yeah, uh, I think it depends on the issue. And if you're not sure, ask the board. How would you guys like to handle this? Do you guys feel comfortable just visibly showing your vote? Or would you like to do it private and privately? I, I would try to encourage you to do as much publicly and open as you can. But if there's some people that just, for whatever reason, on the topic don't feel comfortable, then go to a private vote. Yeah, that's the way I'd handle it. So the situations come up where Yeah. How do you manage those in a way to resolve the conflict without like losing the person? What would be the New York direct way to manage that? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, you know what? Can we talk after the meeting? Can we sit down? Can we meet for lunch tomorrow? You know what? I so appreciate you being on the board. I know your heart's in the right place. But sometimes the way you come across, it comes across as disrespectful. And I want you to be aware of that. Most of the times, we're not even aware of it. I want you to be aware of that because I want your, your input is so valuable. You know, it's usually a three to one ratio. People need to hear good versus the bad. So, so be honest, but, um, but it's coming across as hard. As a result, it comes across like your heart's not in the right place. And I, want, and I know your heart's in the right place. So would you please help me work through that in the way you present yourself, in the way you present ideas? What's wrong with that conversation? It's not easy, right? But it's New York Direct. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah. That? What if you have somebody that just, even after you've done that, they repeatedly are just kind of antagonistic, or you know, they're 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 always the person that's the dissenting voice, and it doesn't matter how good the information is, like they're there to just you know play devil's advocate. Um, what what kind of what recommendations would you have? I mean, other than, you know, 
the nuclear option. So are there a few examples in the Bible where a few kings would go, oh, don't bring that prophet. They're always, right? So what's the opposite of love? It's not hate. Indifference. Hate says I still care. It still makes me emotionally aroused because I care. Indifference says I've completely disconnected. I've completely disconnected. So you don't necessarily want people that speak up in hate or disagreement. I mean, you don't necessarily want to say that their heart's not in the right place because they care. Clearly, they're passionate about it. But if their intent is, and this is where you have to be careful because you could, as a leader, if you want a weak board, you could say, you know what? You disagree with me 90% of the time. You shouldn't be on the board. No. If their heart's in the right place, they absolutely should be on the board. You need to hear it. But if somebody's truly their heart's in the wrong place and it's, and it's constantly just the wrong reason, you need to deal with it. You need to talk to them about it. And guess what? They may not be the right person for the board anymore. It may be time for them to resign. But this is where a healthy board is something, as I said, is cultivated. It comes with time. It's not an overnight thing. It is not a sprint. It's a constant challenge. The rest of our lives, it'll be something you have to constantly work on. But will the board be better? Yes. Will our personal relationships be better if we approach them that way? And our marriage is better if we approach them? Absolutely. Is it harder? Yeah, it's harder. How are we doing? What do you think on time, Mark? Just two more minutes. Okay, go back there and then we'll come there. Do you feel like it's necessary to facilitate deeper relationships with your board outside of board meetings? Yes. I think that to the extent that you, the senior pastor cannot be a shepherd to everybody. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't have time. In my opinion, the number one priority for the senior pastor to be a shepherd of is the board members and their families. Number one priority. Because they have time for that. That's all the capacity that they have. And if they can cultivate those relationships, so I think anything you can do to cultivate those relationships outside of the board meeting, I think it's good and healthy. Because we trust each other more when we have a relationship, when we have a friendship. When people, when you feel like people care about you, it, it's different, right? And so that's extremely important, I think. So I would encourage that kind of thing to the extent that there's time for it. One more question, then we're done. So much of what you said is contingent on the environment, a healthy environment. How do you, any recommendations for a board member to, if, if it's not so healthy, how do you, how do you change that? Where do you start? Uh, if, uh, if the environment as a whole is not healthy? Yeah, it's not healthy for being New York direct. I think that, um, I think the conversation needs to start right away saying, you know, going forward, can we have an agreement that we want to make sure that the meetings are always respectful of each other? Do we, can we make sure that we have confidentiality, so that there is complete confidentiality, so it's a safe environment? And can we agree that we all desire to build an organization that's world-class and be able to have those types of conversations? Because it is a journey. And so that's why I say I think you need to cultivate that every meeting until you get to a point where maybe it's every once in a while just to remind people. But I think it's very much a journey that you have to work on, and it you takes intentionality. The board member's role or the role? I think it's the board. I, I think, no, I think, it's the, I think it's the board chair's role, which is usually the senior pastor. But I think that the board member owes it to the senior pastor, if it's not healthy, to come to them privately and have that conversation. Would you, would you be comfortable with this? Could we approach this more? This is what I'm feeling. 
um, and, I, and I desire to be world class. What senior pastor doesn't want an organization that's world class? Right. Let's close in prayer.